Amen. Well, how can you know for sure? That's been our question uh, at camp so far in the first talk. Um, in that first session, we discovered the grounds for our confidence, didn't we? Uh, 1 John 1 4 said this, uh, that which, was, which we've heard, we proclaim, uh, we've seen, we've touched, um, we proclaim to you that you have fellowship with us, indeed our fellowship with the Father and with Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That's what we just heard before. Our confidence and our joy uh, is founded on the written eyewitness testimony found in Scripture. That's our, that's our, that's our foundation. Um, that's what we build upon. Um, they heard, they saw, they touched the word of life, which was revealed to, to them, and we hear their testimony and we hear the word of life through them and we have fellowship with God and that results in joy. That's the message so far. Um, lots of joy. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, it says this, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he actually didn't take it straight away. He covered it up. And then in his joy, it says, in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has. I don't know if you've ever tried to sell all that you have. It's probably, you know, usually you have to do that when you're in trouble. Uh, but this guy in his joy gives it all away and he buys that field. You see, knowing God and being in his kingdom results in joy, complete joy. And that's really nice, isn't it? But that's only the beginning. Uh, What about our ongoing confidence and our ongoing fellowship with God? Can we be continually, now, today and tomorrow, assured that we are actually in fellowship with the apostles and also in fellowship with God? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? How can we be sure and confident in our faith? You see, assurance is established through believing the word, the word of life, but our ongoing confidence is actually an, is a, is an ongoing discussion in our heart, but within us, this little internal dialogue that goes on constantly every single day. Uh, and we can, we can start out really confident. We can start out really confident and assured, but we find that our confidence can actually wax and wane depending on what's happening in life and the questions and the doubts that come in. And it's really normal. It's very human. Ups and downs, like a yo-yo. That's what life's like. Sort of like um, I began really confidently recently, actually. Uh, I've got this shed, uh, a 10 by 6 metre shed in my place and I fixed it all up and put panelled walls in it and everything so it looks like uh, you're walking into the lounge room. And, uh, um, and I put a little internal office in there. So I went and bought a desk, get a desk, and uh, it's a flat pack. Who loves flat packs? You like them? James, you're a legend. You need to come and help me out. You do? Okay. Well, flat packs, I hate them, right? Just put simply because I'm the sort of guy who opens it up I have a look at the instructions and go, oh, yeah, whatever, and, <laughs> and get straight into it. You know, I'm confident straight away. Here we go. Fantastic. And a lot of Christians start out their Christian walk like that, don't they? They start out with confidence. They believe the gospel, the eyewitness testimony found in the instruction book, the Bible, and receive the kingdom with joy. Wow, that's great. And then they proceed to wing it. Completely wing it, um, just or just float along in their faith, and or make it up as they go, just like me. 
in my flat packs, my desk, right? I, I, I start putting the, I put the, pl- the, the pieces in the right places and then I start putting it all together. But really soon I find that it's not working out and I have to, I've got it all in the wrong spot and I've got them around the wrong way and I have to disassemble the whole thing and go back to the beginning again. So what I actually do is I go in and ask my wife to do it. <laughs> so... So Mel, Mel's really, she's, she's much smarter. Yeah, she's smarter than me. Um, she's much more, um, you know, planned and, and deliberate. I'm the flighty one in the family, you know. It's weird, isn't it? A little bit of role reversal. But um, uh, you're not. Ha-ha, there you go, got him. It's a funny thing about pastors. We're like that, I think. It's, it's, um, so uh, she's great. So I, I walk in, I go, oh, the silly thing's not working. Can you go do it? And so she rolls the eyes, she knows what I'm like. She goes out there and about an hour later, there's my desk, it's good. <laughs> we, are, we, we start out with confidence. Many Christians do. They hit the road running, don't they? Bold, assured um, in what they believe, uh, initially experiencing the, the wonders of fellowship and the joys of their salvation with God and, and their union their, with the apostles and the, the Bible. It's great only for it to slowly ebb away and erode, only for it to, to, to go so that we begin to second-guess ourselves again. We second-guess our faith and we start second-guessing God and his goodness for us. And when it gets extreme, whether he's there at all or not. I have no doubt that some of you here today feel exactly like that. You feel exactly like that. And, and you might be wondering, where did it go wrong? Where, where did all my confidence go as a Christian? Uh, then there are others here, I'm sure, who feel like they, they never had any confidence at all, even, even right from the beginning. You don't have any confidence yet, even from the start. You might have a bit of a, oh, yeah, I sort of believe it, but I'm not confident, never been confident. It's all a bit shaky. Some of you may be sitting here believing, but only just believing. Just believing. Only hanging in there. A little bit like that man who who brought his sick son to Jesus, his son who was possessed. He brought him to the Jesus' disciples, actually. Jesus was up on the mountain at the time. He brings them to the disciples. Jesus comes off the mountain of glory where he has been revealed in all light and splendour to his, his, to his three closest apostles. And he comes down off this, of this amazing experience where, where he's revealed for all who, who he is, the word of life, the, 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 the son of God, and then he comes down into the darkness of the world down below again. And there is this man with his son, And it's in Mark chapter 9. I'll read it to you. Just listen to this. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him, to try to kill him. But, I, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. 
And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Do you hear that? I love that guy. What a legend. He's amazing, isn't he? He only has a little bit of belief. Is he saying, oh, if you can do anything, Jesus. And Jesus is like, if I can do anything. What sort of a question is that? But he, this guy's only got a little belief. His son's been sick from, from, from childhood. No one's been able to help him. You see, the circumstances of life have, have, have sort of smashed his confidence that anything can help him in his, in his situation. And he comes to Jesus with only a little bit of belief, but that's enough. That's enough. I've got, I, I do believe, but, but help my unbelief. I've got so many doubts and much confusion and I, I don't have any confidence. You can understand his, his situation, can't you? I love that guy. But that's enough for Jesus. If you only have a little bit of faith today and you're just sort of hanging on, can I tell you, that's enough. That's enough for him. And he loves you. And he just wants you to come with that little bit of faith. You don't have to be a a great, magnificent Christian with all this amazing faith to come to God. You come to him with whatever you've got, with all the doubts and the confusion. Today, if you're in that place, so common in the church, often people who are in doubt and in confusion, they feel isolated, don't they? But... But today it's common and it's okay. Go to God. It was common in John's church too. So John seeks to assure them and us now with two messages. The rest of one John is actually divided in two sections, two messages. Each each section starts with a message and we're going to look at those two now and tomorrow. The first message begins in 1 John 1.5. Have a look at it there. It might come up on the screen. He goes, um, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. Now go to 1 John 3, 11, if you got it. That won't come up on the screen, I don't think. 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. You see, this is the message. This is the message. These are the two big things that John's going to say to the church to help them with their confidence and their assurance in God. These two messages are from God to them and to you and me today. God is going to speak to us in order to encourage and strengthen us today, to help us to establish an ongoing assurance and confidence in him. So let's look at that first message then. Let's focus on that today. 1 John 1, 5, 1 to 10, I'll read it out. This is the message we have heard from him and now proclaim to you, that God is Light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word 
is not in us. What's the message? God is light. God is light. And in him there's not one skerrick of darkness, not one shadow. The first thing we discover, what God is like, light. Let there be light. Boom. Light comes from him. How good is light? Light's good, isn't it? Um, Last Father's Day, my daughter Amelia, so my second uh, second child, uh, the middle one, um, she gave me the best present ever. You know at school how they have Father's Day and Mother's Day and they they rob you of your money and they they go and buy these... (laughs) little presents for dad and mum. Well, that was nice. So I got, I got this present from her, from her and I opened it up and it cost five bucks and it was the best present ever. Like, well, not ever, but right up there, okay? It was a ripper and it was only five dollars, a little plastic torch about that big and it had best dad ever written on it. So it was pretty good and it had like a little loop on it, a little steel loop. And I got it and I've gone, oh, I know where this is going, straight to the pool room. No, um, no. <laughs> well, it was. It was going out to my man shed. And because I've got a roller door on the man shed, and when I open it up and I got the sparky to, to put all the cabling through and all that, I put the, the light switch in the wrong spot. And so I pull it up and at night I walk into darkness, complete darkness, and I trip over stuff and that. I've gone, yes, Amelia, you're a champ. You've solved my problem. So I rolled it up, put a little hook on the, the workbench right there like it's that far inside, and I just put the little torch there. So every time I go in now, up, up it goes, grab my torch, dink, and then I'm like walk to the other side of my shed, 10 metres across, <laughs> and flick the switch on. I'm like, yes, Amelia, you've helped me out again. So, yeah, light is good, isn't it? And um, I, I avoid falling over and breaking my neck, which is, which is excellent. The, yeah, light is fantastic. God is light. He illuminates all things. He, he's light. He's truth. And, and so when he, when he lights things up, you see things for what they are. You see the truth. His light exposes the dangers and the, and the traps there, like all my furniture. <laughs> He helps avoid all the boxes and all all that furniture, the corners. And he illuminates that would cause damage. God is light. Light not only reveals the obstacles and the problems in front of you, possibly, but light also provides a pathway to the destination that you want to get to. The light switch for me. So he doesn't just provide light to avoid God also provides light so that you'd ultimately know where you're going, the destination of your life. Good destination. The light switches at the end of the shed. God is light. He reveals everything, uh, the things that lurk in the dark, but also the things we long for, the destination that we long for. He lights that up too. Both of these things, God illuminates and reveals. This is the nature of God. He is light. But there's a problem with the light, isn't there? There's a big problem with the light. He lights everything up, but he also lights you up and he lights me up. That's a problem for us. That's a massive problem. In John's Gospel, in going back into the Gospel again, 
Jesus said this in John 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light or come to the light lest his works should be exposed. That's what light does. It exposes. God will expose us. That's what he does. There's nothing hidden in God. And if you come into the presence of God, there'll be nothing hidden in you either. Um, recently, I, was, I went out with uh, the Geelong City on a Hill pastors. There's, th- there's, three, there's four of us. There's actually now five, but back then there was four of us. Um, Andrew Grills is a lead pastor, and he comes from Ballarat. And um, yeah, his family got a big farm out there. And so Grillsy said, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to uh, go to the farm and do all of our planning for the year. But boys, at night, we're going to have like a barbecue. And then after the barbie, we're going out shooting. I'm like, yes, awesome, fantastic, because I hardly ever, I've hardly ever done it. So we went out and um, with the 22s and, and we're, we're walking through his paddocks because they've got lots of land out there. And, um, and we, we got a few bunnies, which is fantastic, but they'd all sort of like, they must have heard the shooting, they're all gone, right? And um, light, the light was starting to fade. So he's like, we're getting a bit desperate, we want to get a few more. And so he goes, oh, we'll cross over to the neighbour's property. I said, oh, Grillsy, you know, are we, are we allowed to do that? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, our family, their family, we've, we've got this arrangement, all right? So we crossed over and, yeah, sure enough, there were more rabbits there and we're shooting away and, and it's getting really dark, so we decide to go, come home. And as we turn around and come off this, off the, off this hill, we see uh, we're walking along and I remember we're going, we got to the bottom of this hill and then we started to crest it and all of a sudden we heard something, like the, the sound of an engine. It was like a car. Where's that from? We're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, over the top of the crest, right in front of us, came this, this car flying over the top and it's just like, bang, spotlights on us. And it stopped. It hit the, hit the brakes and we're all there with guns like this. And, <laughs> and this car's like, and this guy jumps out. We couldn't see him. All we heard was a voice. He goes, what the? And he's like expletives. Um, what are you doing here on me property? Like that. And well, I've gone, oh, no, Grillsy, what have you done? Right? And, he, and, and Andrew sees his face and his countenance just drop. And he just walked forward. He said, "It's all right, mate. It's all right. We're, um, you know, I'm Andrew Grills. You know, the Grills family." And he's like, "I don't care who you are." And, like, <laughs> and it was, oh, it was bad, right? Really bad. And he had a mate and the thing, and there's like four of us and two of them facing off. And um, eventually, Grillsy explained it. And he's like, "Oh, oh, yeah." And he calmed down. And by the end of it, we we're friends. It was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, love country people. They're good, right? Um, <laughs> I was dead. Anyway, seriously. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, that's the, the point is this. Totally exposed. We're out in the open. You know, like, we weren't getting away with anything. Like, while you're there, we've got the guns in our hands and, like, we had nowhere to go. Totally vulnerable. You know, see, in a similar way, God is light. He's burning and pure and holy. That's, what, that's who God is. And he exposes all things and he lays us to bear. He exposes us. 
in our darkness. We can't hide when it comes to God. John got his first glimpse of the blinding light of God on that Mount of Transfiguration just before they went, Jesus healed that boy. Where him, Peter, Andrew went up and suddenly there was light all around them. And Jesus was, was revealed for who he really was, the Son of God. Jesus lit himself up and they were exposed. They were exposed. Later on in life, John gets to see the light again. This is why he talks about light all the time. It's quite amazing. In, in the book of Revelation, he, he's in prison for, for his testimony about Jesus, for spreading the gospel. They, on a Greek island, Patmos, you can go there today. He's there and he sees the light again. I'll read it from Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. It says this, And then I turned to see the voice that had, was speaking to me, and on turning... I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son of man clothed in a long robe and with a gold sash around his chest, his, uh, the hair on his head, uh, were, his, the, the hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. That is when Jesus looks at you, he burns through all the pretense. He sees you. And he burns through the, the dross. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. You know? Imagine the MCG on grand final day when Geelong kicked that goal to win the flag, right? And they just go up. That's coming out of his mouth, that roar. In his right hand, uh, hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun, shining at full strength. Can you look at the sun in full strength? You can't. It burns. And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. God is Light. In him, there's no darkness at all. He reveals we can't hide from God. You can't do it. And when we are in the full light of his glory, everything in your life will be laid bare. And here's the rub. The first ongoing issue that we must address if we're going to be confident Christians is this, will you step into the light? Will you step into that light? Or will you try to fake it? 1 John 1, 6 says this, and 7. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, if we, come, if we step into the light, we walk in it, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
You see, our confidence as Christians is connected with our walking, our living. The question is this, where are you walking? Are you in the light before God or are you in the darkness trying to hide? Are you in the open or are you hiding stuff in, in, the, in, in your heart in the shadows? That has a massive impact on your assurance as a Christian. Because we know, down deep in our hearts, we know this truth, that actions speak louder than words. Always have, haven't they? Actions tell the real story. You see, we can talk it up if we want to. We, we can belong to a Christian fellowship and, and, and speak Christian words and, and sort of speak words that are cliche Christian things to say. But that doesn't mean that you're in the light. Words are one thing. They're just words. And sadly, this is why we often see Christian leaders, people who lead huge churches even, who speak these wonderful words about about Christian doctrine and about God. They often get found out in all sorts of dark things. These sins didn't just happen overnight or just pop out of the blue, you see that they grew in the recesses of the dark places of their heart and they were cultivated there over time as they fellowshiped with God's people and put on the pretense, yet they were really hiding. See, the point is this. We know when our words and our lives don't match. We know it. we just got to be honest with ourselves. And that erodes our confidence. You see, we know when we're being inconsistent. We know when we're fooling ourselves. We know when we're lying to ourselves and to others. But we also know down deep that this truth is that we're actually not fooling God. We know we can't fool God. He's light. And we know that we're not really getting away with it. So we become anxious. That God at any moment can go bang and come over the hill while you're stuck in a really bad spot and shiny spotlights. John Piper, my favourite preacher, says this. If we are not walking in the light, we have no warrant for believing that our sins are covered. There is no assurance confidence of salvation while you're living in disobedience. You just won't have it. Pretense will only last for so long. When we are walking in darkness, we cannot and we ought not to expect to live securely in that place. If you want confidence and if you want assurance of your salvation and assurance of your faith as a Christian, assurance of your walk with God, then there's only one thing that you can do. Come into the light. Come into the light. Come out of the shadows. Bring all your dark stuff with you too. 
Don't pretend you don't have it. And let it be revealed. Let Jesus deal with it. He already knows you've got it. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, John knows as soon as you walk into the light, sin's revealed. All of us are exposed. And so he assures us, if you come to the light, Jesus' blood will cleanse you from that. But you've got to come into the light. You can't fake it. There needs to be humility and honesty with God if we are to have confidence in our walk with God. Now, I just want a little proviso here. I'm not saying you have to be sinless. This is not about sinlessness. In fact, John doesn't expect it at all, does he? This, this letter is not a call to sinless perfectionism. John, John expects that when you step into the light, there will be darkness to deal with. He knows that. And, and that Jesus will need to cleanse you by his own blood. That's why Jesus came, actually. So make it possible for you to come into the light without fear. So don't wait, whatever, this is a really important message, don't wait to be sinless or clean enough before stepping into the light because it'll never happen. You'll always have stuff to deal with. Just walk into the light. Walk in with all of the stuff that you need to lay bare before God and others perhaps. Confess to God and to each other. The church is for. We are to be a fellowship that loves each other so much and cares for each other so much that we would be willing and able to actually share the dark stuff. Because you're a recipient of grace, because you're a sinner too. I am too, so we can, we can deal with that together. Confess to God and to one another. And we'll be restored to true fellowship, not fake fellowship. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us, cleanse our sin and the taint of it. And that will bring us confidence again, like a fresh start again. I'm glad that's off my shoulders now. See, sin is heavy. And when you step in the light and Jesus deals with it with you, it comes off your shoulders. The taint is off. And you're clean and it's good. You're in the light. If you don't come into the light, we will fall. You will fall into grave error. If you try to stay there, if you just hold back and you stay in there, what we end up doing is you'll start justifying it. You'll start justifying it, trying to find reason to stay there and that it's okay. It's okay to be a fake Christian. This is what you'll say. This is what John addresses here. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. That word of life, life is not in us. Friends, if we refuse to come into the light, refuse to confess, essentially we are saying, I have no sin to deal with. Maybe you might even go as far as to say, I haven't sinned. There's nothing to be atoned for here. 
to be forgiven, nothing that needs cleansing, that I'm righteous when in fact you aren't. And you're lying to yourself, you're lying to God and you're lying to your church. That is a grave place to be in, friends, self-deception of the highest order. And it totally undermines your confidence. Eventually it will get you. But the true Christian, they have confidence to step into the light with all of their baggage, to come into it because they know the one who is light. They know his character. One John two verse one says this My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. You know, don't go to those dark places. But if anyone does sin, if anyone does go there, we have an advocate with the Father that is one who actually stands on our behalf, like in a in a court of law. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, there's no darkness in him. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have confidence to come into the light over and over and over again. No matter how many times we fail and we go to that dark place, oh, not again, I've failed again, Lord, I've sinned again. It will come back into the light, son, come back into the light, daughter. It's okay because you have an advocate who pleads your case on your behalf. Friends, we are not representing ourselves before God's throne, before the light. The light, bang, exposes us. We're not just, we have an advocate who comes then into that light for us. He pleads, he doesn't, and he doesn't plead our innocence. Jesus doesn't plead extenuating circumstances about the things that you and I have done. He actually pleads, yep, admits guilty. He's guilty. She's guilty, Lord, Father. And he drags us into the light to his Father and he shows our darkness for all it is. And then he does this remarkable thing. Just when we think we're completely exposed and guilty and shamed before God, he accepts our just punishment upon himself. He takes our place. He becomes our propitiation, which means an atoning sacrifice for all the darkness and evil that you and I have, for all the lies and the falsehoods in our hearts. And he takes on the displeasure of God for us so that you and I don't have to. That's amazing. That should give you great confidence to come into the light. Jesus has done it all for you. And he advocates for you. In fact, he's doing it right now. He's, he's, he's at the throne of God and his job right now is to be your advocate every single moment, pleading for you. They are innocent, Lord. That's how he pleads. Because I have taken their guilt. They now stand before you clean, for I have taken their darkness. So that you and I can stand before God 
in the blazing light of righteousness with no fear, no shame in the light, only clarity and freedom to walk this life, looking at his word like a torch, avoiding the traps and the pitfalls, reaching the ultimate destination that is glory with him forever in his light, in heaven, where there will be no more shadows, unlike this world. Oh, friends, don't be afraid to come into the light. Jesus is your advocate. Confess. And that will give you amazing confidence as a Christian. It doesn't matter how many times you've been in a dark place. Keep bringing it. Keep bringing it to Jesus. Keep bringing it to him. And build up your confidence in the Lord. Our ongoing assurance as Christians is dependent on walking in the light. You've got to go there. Confessing and trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. On the first day you became a Christian to the last day you breathe on this earth. 1 John 1. Sorry, I think it's, uh, might be two. By this we'll know. Verse three, anyway. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And where did Jesus walk? Always in the light. Walk in the light. You have an advocate that enables you to do it without any fear, without any shame. And the more you do it, the more bold and confident you'll become as a Christian. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you that you are light. There's no darkness in you. You are truth. And you reveal everything, Lord. Oh, Lord, that can be scary for us. Especially when we often, Lord... Walk in darkness. Try to hide in the shadows. Have stuff in our lives, Lord, that we, we, we're ashamed of because we're guilty and we know and we're tainted by it. And yet you, Lord, want us to come into the light, to have freedom and joy and warmth, to be in your presence, to have assurance and confidence, Lord, Oh, thank you for Jesus, who is the advocate. The one who, by his blood, cleanses us, takes away the stain and the darkness and enables us to walk before you. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, 
for, for their confidence, Lord. Thank you that this first message is about stepping into the light. And when we do that, we build our confidence. But I pray for them, Lord, uh, that, that if they have stuff in their hearts, you know it, Lord. They know it. Would you do business with them? Would you bring them into the light? Would you help them to place their confidence and trust in you and step in to the light? To put their confidence in Jesus. Thank you that you don't condemn us anymore. You accept us because he died for us. Oh, Lord, may this church be a church that doesn't condemn each other but confesses to each other and raises each and, and ensures each uh, sort of gives confidence to each other that they are in the light. They help each other, Lord, to walk in that light. That's what I pray for Exchange Church, Lord. May you do it through your power. In Jesus' name, amen.